Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Bruce. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Mr. Lee Cohen. Hey, Rick. Uh, it's been a good week. I've got to say to you, I don't know about you, but listening to last week's show and watching the response that we got from the public in terms of the quantity, the comments people were making, and essentially the new likes that we got. What a terrific show. It made me think that some people actually appreciate the fact that we have this conversation every Saturday morning. Yeah, what was interesting about last week, we don't usually do this, is uh, for those who didn't listen in, uh, it's it's a show. It was the first show in a long time that we've had where it's just you and I talking. Right. And I, we don't want to do that every week. Um, uh, probably want to don't want to do it that often. But realistically, you know, we're we're there in front of the public on a on a weekly basis, which mm-hmm. is kind of an unheard of pet mm-hmm. pet talk radio. Right. Um, you know, it's practically unheard of, not com- literally unheard of. And but we'll prove that but, today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but. But you know, you you hear us every week. But you know, who are we? You know, what are we? You know, what 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 have we accomplished? What where have we been on this journey uh, all this time? And people have sat in their living room time and time again and heard us and bring experts to the sh- to the table. That's what this show is all about: is bringing experts and not necessarily just experts, but just passionate individuals in the you know arena of pets. And uh, we've had some great uh, great guests over the years and. Uh, it was just nice talking back and forth to you. Well, it was an interesting conversation, and I would encourage any of you to go to the WILS website and check out the podcast because it is there and it is worth listening to. But, Rick, you gave me a great segue for today's show because it just so happens that we're going to talk to someone who kind of does what we do in the fact that he is the host of a radio Radio talk show that's all about pets. Uh, it's on WGN in Chicago. It has about a hundred affiliates around the country, and uh, he also is someone who is frequently on TV is an author, he is a columnist, he has a huge background. His name is Steve Dale. And it should be an interesting conversation because, Rick, unlike us, Steve is someone who will go to vet conferences and speak on specific topics related to that. I know you are frequently called in as an expert, but in my mind, the idea of it uh, is... That's impressive what he does. Well, yeah, and he's written books. Um, and he has a whole lot of energy to bring to the table. Oh, yeah. uh, he has, you know, a lot of uh, understanding of topics like uh, pet behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I think the people will be interested in hearing, you know, he's, I think I, I listened to a, a few excerpts of him. He's very excitable. His, his energy is very, you know, like, um, uh, 
you're going to wake up yeah. and you're going to hear yeah. <laughs> this guest, <laughs> you know, and you're not going to just sit there, you know, sipping your tea and, and just wondering what the morning's doing, dazing off to the side. This guy's going to grab your attention, which is easy to understand why he's such a popular uh, person in such a large market. You right. know, it's not easy to be in the Chicago market on radio. Fair uh, enough. You know, that's got to be quite in and of itself an accomplishment. And then he also happens to uh, have a lot of other in this multimedia arena that we're in today, he has another a, a number of other avenues that you can reach him, of course, on the internet. And well, and I can understand how much energy he has because I was looking at uh, WGN's schedule and saw that his show, uh, one of them, airs at five thirty in the morning. And <laughs> I got to tell yeah. you, if I yeah. were on at five thirty in the morning, yeah. I'd be burning the energy like crazy. A lot of coffee. Trying to get a lot the, of coffee. But trying to get people going and a part yeah, of it because yeah, yeah. he is very, very excitable, yeah. but uh, has terrific guests, does a great job of explaining things. And frankly, I look forward to having this conversation with him because I think you and I can learn some things as well as our listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I uh, I enjoy our radio show and Neither you or I get paid for it, uh, but that's okay. I, I mean, it's do, down to earth. Uh, you know, welcome, Lansing. Here we are. We enjoy the environment that we're in. Well, this guy's in the big league. Right. This is a whole different scenario, and and I'd like people to get to know who this guy is, and and he, I'm sure he has a lot of gifts to offer. Absolutely. Well, that's what you're going to hear when we talk with Steve Dale this week on the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Here on 1320 WILS. Hey, got some ideas for a show? Questions? Maybe suggestions? Just email us, mmpets at 1320wils.com or message us on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash mmpets. Welcome back to the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Here are your hosts, Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And Rick, we have with us on the line a first-time guest. Hey, he happens to be, Rick, a lot like us, but he's a lot bigger and in a lot bigger market. We'd like to welcome to the show Steve Dale. Welcome to the show, Steve. Well, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you. Steve, for any of our listeners who might not know who you are, can you share with them what is it that you do? I mean, what makes <laughs> you the guy in Chicago? Well, uh, I host actually a couple of national radio shows about pets, as well as uh, being heard for, oh gosh, 25, 26 years on WGN Radio in Chicago. Uh, where I talk about pets like you do uh, on the radio. I'm a certified animal behavior consultant. I speak at uh, veterinary conferences around the world. I'm about to go to one in Orlando, Florida, a lot warmer than where you or I happen <laughs> to be at the moment. Yes. Uh, and uh, then from there, go to another conference in Las Vegas. Uh, so I'm, I'm very busy on the speaking circuit, as they say, which I love doing. I contribute to books. I write books about pets as well. And, uh, I'm I'm happy to be uh, a guest on your radio show. 
Well, it's our pleasure to have you because one of the things that I observed in looking at what you do is that I saw that there was a heavy focus in terms of dogs and cats, and you've obviously got a lot of experience. What is your background where you learned all this? I mean, I don't think you just read a book. <laughs> well, I wrote a couple. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a certified animal behavior consultant, uh, and there's a process that these days, uh, appropriately, uh, if you're interested in doing this, that, that you can do. I was um, kind of grandfathered into the organization, so I guess I'm old enough to say that. Uh, but for years, I've been talking to very uh, lucky uh, to talk to the very, very best uh, veterinary behaviorists, uh, Ph.D. Uh, behaviorists, and learn from them, attending veterinary conferences uh, for many years, learning from those folks as well, and then applying what I learned uh, to help individuals with their uh, dogs and cats, and uh, eventually became certified. Was there anything parallel to that, that uh, in, in, as a profession, whether you went from an education standpoint or from previous job situations that kind of prepared you not so much for the animal behaviors part, but for the kind of media and connecting with the public and, um, you know, having any degree of uh, prowessness there? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, I've been on, I've been on the radio since I was 18 years old. I right. won't tell you how many years ago that was. So I've, I've, I'm, I'm being paid for it, as you know, not a lot but something. And uh, I've, so I've, I've been in this profession for a very long time on the radio side. Okay. Uh, I, I became interested in pets way early on and uh, had the opportunity to be a guest on radio shows talking about companion animals. And I was on one particular show on WGN radio in the morning and uh, they decided, Oh my gosh, he's okay. We can try it out and give him a regular show. And that was, I don't know, 26 years ago or so. Wow, that's a very impressive way to start out with it. And in terms of the animals that you talk about, how broad is the topics that you get into? I mean, are you getting into exotic animals and other things, or is it primarily cat and dog, which makes sense since that's the majority of the pets that people are involved with? Well, uh, yeah, it's majority cats and dogs. I mean, I have a personal interest in wildlife. I've been fortunate. We just got back, I don't know, about a month or so ago from the Galapagos Islands. So I do have a personal interest in that. Uh, but uh, it's, it's really dogs and cats. I mean, most people don't have a pet hippopotamus. So they rarely ask me about my pet hippopotamus. Uh, so uh, that's why it's dogs and cats. It's the questions that I get asked. Many years ago, uh, I was... Uh, when there were newspapers around, a syndicated newspaper columnist based out of a Chicago Tribune syndicate. And one thing they wanted me to do is a Q&A column, and they'd ask questions. I'd go to experts, and eventually I became one of those experts, I suppose, and would answer questions. But I rarely got questions about those pet hippos. I got questions about, you know, my dog's barking at the mailman. My cat is thinking outside the litter box. Those sorts of questions. And those are the sorts of questions that uh, I answer and became knowledgeable about dogs and cats. Gotcha. And in terms of topics that you've explored in more recent years, one of them that we've spent 
a lot of time on in the last 10 years at least has been talking about the human-animal bond. And a frequent guest every year with us was Dr. Alan Beck from Purdue mm, University. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's such a fascinating topic. What are your observations in terms of uh, human-animal bond and where it's going in terms of the research? I love that question because I happen to be on the board of directors of the Human Animal Bond Association. And uh, now there is an international human animal bond day. You know, you wouldn't be on the radio talking about this, nor would I, if there weren't a thing called the human animal bond. Right now in America, there are more pets than there ever have been. The numbers skyrocketed. So the number had been going up a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit more, particularly among millennials, Generation Z. And then the numbers went up like crazy during the pandemic. Uh, right now, there are a record number of pets in America. There are far more pets than there are children in this country. No one, as far as I know, and I rarely talk about politics on these sorts of programs, uh, but I don't think that either President Trump, President Biden, any of the governors, including yours in Michigan, no one has mandated get a pet. People do that because they want to. It must benefit us in some way. But yet, it costs us to do it. It costs us a bit financially to, first of all, purchase, whether it's an adoption or a purchase through a breeder. Uh, it costs us to take care of that animal, uh, but it also costs time. It's a commitment of time. It's a commitment of love, right? I mean, it. it but we must innately know we're not even thinking about it for most people. We just know, okay, this is good for us. And in fact, we now know that it is good for us. <laughs> Research has shown all over the world that having a pet in your life is beneficial. Now, we've all heard about, oh, your blood pressure lowers, and all of that is true. But there are many other factors, some not even understood yet, as to why we have these animals in our lives. And they do so much for us. They bring us great joy. Again, otherwise, we simply wouldn't do it. You, you, when you say that, it, it reminds me of a math equation. And simply put, you know, uh, the, the value is in what we do, you know, cost-benefit analysis, right? And if yeah. you reverse the cost-benefit analysis, you, you then acquire the value of that experience. We're willing to spend X, Y, Z, and still have that happy pet on our lap, and therefore this must be the accrued value that this relationship has. Is kind of what I was, you know, reading between the lines and when when you were talking about that. I absolutely agree with what you're saying. I mean, um, maybe you can answer uh, because I don't know the answer. Why is it that so many people in America, most people yeah. in this country, most people in many countries make a decision to share their life with a pet. And it's not only like in America where the pet shares our home, our bedrooms, probably our beds, but even in other nations where there's still a human-animal bond. Now, it's defined a little differently. Yeah. So I've been in places around the world where, yeah, that's my pet. So the dog doesn't go inside the house maybe ever. But nevertheless, the dog has a name. 
the dog is fed and the dog is given love to the extent that these people do give love to that dog and the dog certainly gives love back. So even under those circumstances, there absolutely is a human-animal bond. And the human-animal bond is actually goes way beyond, and this is a much longer conversation, but it goes way beyond what we might think with dogs and cats and other pets like rabbits and ferrets and uh, pet parrots. Uh, it, it goes beyond that. Uh, this is why we feel better when we walk in the forest and we see some squirrels jump from tree to tree. Sure. There have been studies done actually demonstrating that that's the case. We are connected to the natural world, and there's a human-animal bond there. There's a human-animal bond between these zookeepers that work at zoos and the animals that they take care of. Uh, and the list goes on and on and on and on. So the human-animal bond is everywhere, but it's most evident, of course, in our homes, those of us that have primarily dogs and cats. I, I have a, a topic that I've never really breached to the public here on radio, but I'm going to bring it up, and it's that topic of the person that says, I'm not a pet person. I'm just curious, your thoughts, your opinions, your ideas, where does that come from, and what's your reaction when somebody says, I'm not a pet person? Well, I want to take dogs. That's a great question, by the way. So I want to take a slice of that and talk about dogs for a second. It turns out that we now know, we, we meaning human beings, Cro-Magnon men and women, co-evolved with dogs. Uh, that's, uh, that's a fact. Right. We, we, know, we, we don't know exactly how it happened because no one is quite that old, but we do know through archaeological evidence that we, the Cro-Magnon men, were even buried with dogs. And they weren't even quite dogs yet. They were evolving, then the process evolving, to what we would call a dog today. I mean, there were no Cocker Spaniels back then. You know, <laughs> there were no miniature poodles. Right. But that there, there was this coexistence that was also codependent. And so co, co-trusting, if that's even a word. If not, it now is. So the trust was so that the dogs would raise their puppies in... And by the way, sleeping and sharing a bed with the dog isn't new. It does go back to Cro-Magnon. I don't know if they had foam mattresses back in the day, but they nevertheless slept on something. All uh, all great apes, and essentially were that, uh, make a nest at night still to this day. Gorillas, chimpanzees, bonobos, orangutans, and uh, what did I leave out? Did I say gorillas, chimpanzees, bonobos? and orangutans, all, all the species, for those that have many species, and they all make a bed at night in the jungle or wherever they happen to live. Even in zoos, they will fashion, and zoos now know enough to provide the materials for them to do it, they will fashion a bed at night. And it was a rudimentary bed, bed and Cro-Magnon did the same thing. Point of all this is they shared that bed with these wolf dogs, for lack of a better way of saying it, these they weren't quite dogs yet like we know them, but they were partners. Mm-hmm. They were hunting partners. They were protection of yeah. the group, the, 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 the uh, community. Uh, and they shared their lives in every way, which means we trusted them with our infants. And they trusted us with their puppies. And this goes back thousands, thousands and thousands of years. 
that's unique. In the animal world, there are no two carnivore species that have that kind of relationship to the, to this day or ever, as far as anyone knows. So we are actually hardwired to think of dogs in a very special way. Even in cultures, I love this study. Uh, there, there was a study done in the Middle East, I forget the nation it was done in, where dogs are not thought of positively culturally. It's not in the Quran anywhere, by the way. It's just it's a cultural thing. Dogs are thought of as dirty. Having said that, even if you show people who live there a picture of a, picture of a dog, they smile. Fair enough. And then there's cats. And with that, when that we're going to need to take a break here. Uh, but when we come back, it just sounds like there will be endless amounts of conversation to kind of hit up on. So, No question. Um, we'll, we will take up that question and many more with Steve Dale, who is a certified animal behavior consultant and is the host of two nationally syndicated radio shows. He's an author and a columnist and everything else pretty much. So that's the conversation we'll have right here on 13. 1320 WILS. Welcome back to the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Here are your hosts, Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen. It's 9.35 and we're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we're talking this morning with Steve Dale, who is a radio personality based in Chicago, but national in his scope and in his reach. And uh, you may have seen him on television. You may have read his books. You may have read his columns. You may have seen him at a conference. But if it's talking about animals, then he is definitely one of your guys. And that makes him one of our guys, Rick. So uh, with that said, let's follow up on your question from the last segment. We heard about the dogs. Let's talk about the cats when it comes to people who might say, I'm not a I'm not a pet person and uh, I'm not a cat person. Yeah, I'm not a cat person and that's not an uncommon question among many people who are out there who just for whatever reason think that. And you might have a different story on that, Steve. Well, I think if you say you're not a cat person, that's fine. But probably you're mistaken. And and if you got a cat, get a cat because cats are the best salespeople for cats. There are so many misconceptions about cats, uh, that they're aloof and they want nothing to do with people. None of that is, is true at all. And one of the biggest barriers in getting a cat is people say, oh, I'm allergic. And I, I would argue that a uh, percent of the time, I don't know what that percent is, uh, they're not really. But for those that really are, I've got amazing news. So what you're allergic to, when you're allergic to a cat, is not the cat itself per se. That's not the hair or the dander or the fur or any of those things. It's different than allergies we have to dogs. You're actually allergic to a protein on the cat's saliva. That protein actually has a name. It's called FELD1 or FELD1. And when cats groom themselves, the sticky protein sticks to their fur. And then when cats shed or rub against something in the house, like a chair leg, your leg, a table leg, your hand, My anything. pillow. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. That sticky protein sticks. So then people touch it who are allergic, and 
then they put their hand to their face or whatever, and then you know the story from there. They sneeze, and their eyes run, and maybe it's even uh, more severe symptoms than that. Uh, There is now a pet food called Purina Pro Plan Live Clear that actually, and if you don't have it at the pet store, you could. Uh, (laughs) It's not a veterinary product. It's available over the counter, and it neutralizes that protein. There's an egg product in the food that neutralizes the protein. We don't want to destroy that protein, or scientists didn't. I say we like I was a part of it. I wasn't. (laughs) But science, and it's fascinating. I mean, imagine getting up in the morning as a scientist saying, I want to do something about cat allergies. I mean, you know, and then I'm going to do it. Well, he didn't do it overnight. I met the scientist who's positively brilliant. It took him years to do, and then study after study. And the first studies were done by human allergists. It was not done on the veterinary platform. It was done by on the human platform by, you know, because really this is, this is the first pet food ever, as far as I know, that's for people in a way. I don't want people to eat it. I don't mean <laughs> that. But it makes our lives better, and it makes it possible for a lot of people to live with cats, to adopt cats, not to give up a cat if they develop an allergy. Because, and the food is complete and balanced. It's Purina Pro Plan, which I'm sure you'd agree is, is just fine as far as quality, very good, actually, as far as quality. It's a Purina Pro Plan diet. So uh, this is amazing news for cats. I have some more. Are you ready? More amazing news for cats. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, we definitely want to hear it. Well, it turns out, I mean, we always thought that cats, we knew dogs could suffer arthritis particularly as they age. And as our dogs are living longer than ever before, we are seeing more arthritis in dogs, combined with the fact that we have more overweight dogs than ever before. And often, not always, but often that plays a role. So if the dog is overweight or obese, odds are at some point in time that dog is going to develop arthritis. But even dogs who don't have any weight problem at all, if they live long enough, are probably like people, really going to develop some degree of arthritis. But we always thought because cats were small, it doesn't happen to cats. And boy, were we dead wrong. Hmm. It does happen to cats. And data is now demonstrating it may even happen more often than dogs. So yes, uh, age has a lot to do with it. Uh, And our cats are living longer than ever before. Yes, declawed cats, we now know. And I'm personally opposed to declaw. Uh, because that's an amputation. It's not just cutting the dog's na- a cat's nails. It's actually amputating at the lasso. Wave any finger at me, not that finger. Wave another finger at me. And where you bend your finger at your last digit, that's what they cut. And they actually amputate for all of the cat's paws. That's what a declaw is. So no wonder those cats do suffer arthritis later in life. We now know that. Uh, but it goes much broader than that. Even cats at the white right weight, which most cats are not, they're overweight or obese, so that, again, predisposes them to arthritis. But even cats that are slim and trim, you know, that at the age of 12 or 13 or 14, we now know many, many of those, if not most of those, develop some degree of arthritis. And for cats, it's always been more difficult to deal with because uh, the choices for medications are more limited that are approved for use in cats. Uh, other things are tried and tried successfully in sort of what is called a multimodal approach. Everything from massage therapy to targeted uh, 
laser therapy, and, and the list goes on, uh, nutritional supplements, nutraceuticals, all of those things. But now, finally, finally, there is a drug available. It's an injection that a veterinarian gives monthly to cats that has been absolutely amazing. It's called Silencia. It's being used in Europe. It has been used in Europe, so it's not like an experimental thing. And to see the before and after videos of these cats that were hesitantly like going up and down stairs, like every stair you could see the cat say, ouch, ouch, ouch. And now the cat is like running up and down like a kitten. That doesn't work that dramatically for every cat, but it improves every cat. And it's, uh, as far as we know, without any side effects. Uh, it's incredible. So this is, this is new technology in veterinary medicine that is amazing. Well, and it's a monoclon it's a monoclonal antibody okay. uh, which we've heard that term uh because in human medicine we've heard that term along with covid right right now so, so what what's the mode mode of operation how does how does this physically help the arthritis or is that more of a technical question to ask the expert that no, that, no, that no, des- developed great, it no i love that question so let me answer to the degree that I can. It is, I mean, I don't have the knowledge to go into depth about monoclonal antibodies. However, I, I do know enough to know this. What it does is it blocks the fact that it hurts and the communication of that to the brain. Uh-huh. So instead of, it, it doesn't cure arthritis. Uh, but what it you know we've we've heard terms like bone on bone in humans, right? It right. doesn't solve that problem. That problem would have to be solved in another way. None of the drugs do for humans or for uh, for dogs or cats. Sure. But what this does is it blocks the receptors in the brain, and the brain no longer says this hurts. So that is absolutely. Incredible, because we don't want our animals to be in pain. So what this does, it is effective pain relief without the side effects of a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, which in dogs can lead to side effects, and cats are even more prone to these side effects. So none of I'm not saying those drugs are not good. I'm not saying they're not appropriate ever. They certainly can be, for sure, in dogs, and absolutely in cats as well. But here's an alternative and a lot of those cats, particularly older cats, cannot take, they cannot tolerate a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. Many of the cats, and particularly, again, the older cats, uh, have other concurrent conditions at the same time that prevents them from taking that drug or any of the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. That's really, really common in cats. So then for years, veterinarians have been saying, what do we do? We could try this, we could try this, we could try this, and it helps when they try a variety of different things that still can be done and should be done. However, this has been this is a game changer. Hmm. It's a game changer. And technology in veterinary medicine uh, is, is advancing so quickly. And there are so many examples of that. Let me give you one more example. Feline uh, infectious peritonitis, or FIP, always thought to be fatal in cats, mostly kittens, get this, for years, for years, since this disease was discovered way back in the 1960s, early 60s. 
if a cat was diagnosed, and at one point in time it wasn't even easy to diagnose because this disease is so complicated and so difficult to understand. If a cat was diagnosed with feline infectious peritonitis or FIP, death sentence for sure. But that is no longer the case. So I'm on the board of the Every Cat Health Foundation. We fund cat health studies. That is our sole mission, and also to educate the results of those studies to the public and veterinary professionals. Wow. And we funded we funded Dr. Niels Peterson, uh, who said there's a drug, and it's called remdesivir, and it's going to help cats with FIP. Yeah, that's what I'm familiar with, too. Uh, Steve, I hate to jump in and interrupt, but we need to take another quick break. Uh, But when we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Steve Dale from WGN Radio in Chicago and a lot of other places right here on 1320 WILS. Welcome back to the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been talking this morning all about pets with Steve Dale, who is with WGN in Chicago. And Steve, before the last break, uh, we were talking about a number of issues related to health with cats and dogs. But I want to kind of switch up on you a little bit, because one of the areas where you are an expert is in behavior. And I feel like one of the big frustrations that a lot of people have been having the last couple of years and you said it earlier on in this conversation there's a lot of people who went out and got pets during uh the period of covid and some of them weren't necessarily used to it and as a result guess what there's a whole lot of people with a whole lot of behavioral questions about how to take care of their pets Talk with us about some of the things that people are talking with you about and seem to be a particular focus. Oh, sure. Uh, but before I do that, I kind of dropped the bomb there before the break. So I said that remdesivir was the, the drug that was presented to us to be used for cats with FIP or feline infectious peritonitis. And we didn't know from that drug. This was 2017. And we said, yeah, molecularly, we understand how this can potentially, uh, potentially, nothing had previously, helped cats with FIP. Well, it turned out to cure cats with FIP. And, of course, uh, clinical trials were done, and, and, and this was published in journals, et cetera, and is now being used around the world, or drugs like it, to help cats with FIP. Well, remdesivir may sound familiar. It does sound familiar. Because that is a drug that is used to help people who are suffering from COVID-19. What happened when the COVID pandemic hit is that the government was struggling. Where do we go? I mean, there's no drugs. We want an antiviral drug. But unlike antibiotics, there are very few choices. And uh, remdesivir had been used, and not so successfully, uh, for Ebola virus to help people with Ebola. but they somehow found what we did with cats. So if it wasn't for the Every Cat Health Foundation, for researcher Dr. Niels Peterson in particular, and for cats, for cats getting sick with this disease, we would have never have had remdesivir. I'm certain of that uh, for for, uh, COVID. And remdesivir has helped save lives uh, for millions of people all over the world. And you can thank 
so today, look at your cat and thank your cat for that. Mm-hmm. Now, let me answer your question about, uh, yes, a record number of people uh, have gotten uh, pets uh, as a result of the pandemic. And we are saying a record number of behavior issues as a result. So I love talking about this fear-free. You may or may not have heard about this. Uh, it began, I don't know, eight years ago or so, uh, with veterinarian Dr. Marty Becker, who thought we want pets to go to the veterinarian without feeling fear, anxiety, or stress. And th- this was instantly a success. Veterinarians are now individually certified and veterinary technicians to be fear-free certified entire practices. In some cases, are fear-free certified. But the movement, if you will, grew. And now uh, it's all over the world. In the veterinary world, but dog trainers are fear-free certified. And now there's a website, which is what I'm getting to here, called fearfreehappyhomes.com. And this website, so you go online right now, and you read information, my dog's barking too much. And, and you Google that, and you might find helpful information, and you might find information that is actually going to do more harm than good. You know, scream at your dog, throw things at your dog, whatever. <laughs> uh, and people follow that advice because it's presumably written by an expert. This advice that's written on this website is reviewed and edited by an expert. Hmm. Then it is reviewed again by a veterinary behaviorist, boarded in behavior, or a veterinary technician boarded in behavior. So it's like a journal. It's reviewed. And this is information that's written for you, the pet parent. Uh, And so it's written in a fun way, a very basic way. But it is helpful information about how to deal with a wide variety of behavior issues for dogs and cats. And one of the greatest now that we're seeing is separation anxiety. Uh, for whatever reason, I, I believe it's because our schedules have shifted and shifted again and shifted again and again and again. Uh, also, so many pets have been adopted from shelters. Now, it is a mistake to think that a dog adopted from the shelter is going to have separation anxiety. That's a big leap. Uh, are they more predisposed to it? We don't know for sure. What might be the case is that dog was given up to a shelter in the first place because the dog had separation anxiety, and it doesn't go away. In fact, it may worsen in the shelter. Uh, So that could be. We do know that dogs that have been relinquished multiple times that have been rehomed, those dogs are more predisposed to separation anxiety. So we're actually seeing that now as probably the number one behavior problem in dogs or cats. Interesting. Now, when it comes to the trainers that are out there, What's your thought about that? Because one of the funnier observations, we did a roundtable with four different dog trainers at one time, and the one point that they all agreed on was that the fifth dog trainer was wrong in everything that they thought. (laughs) (laughs) And basically, it left us wondering, how do people know what's the right training or the right trainer for them to go to? You know, that's a very, seems like a very simple and basic question, and I know we only have two minutes here. So audit the class. Go into the class. Get a recommendation, 
unless you're that recommendation, maybe you've had this trainer before and you know how good this trainer is. But go to the class, and if you don't see the tails going back and forth, happy tails, and smiles on people's faces, something is wrong. Now, for some classes these days, there's no structure whatsoever. So that's not good either. And if they are using punishment in any way, if they're using equipment like shock collars or prong collars, that just walk out the door, find somebody else. We want positive, we need solely positive reinforcement trainers. We do know, it's not my opinion, we know that positive reinforcement training is not only more humane, it is a more efficient way for dogs to learn. And what these classes, especially with puppies, are all about, it's about opening up a window of communication. So if that window of communication isn't positive, it closes right back down. And that is not beneficial to dogs or to the people who live with those dogs. Right. Now, that that's a really great point. And uh, having seen both out there, uh, I can agree with you that I do think that that is the right way. Uh, Steve, before we let you go, uh Tell our listeners if they wanted to uh, keep up with you or follow you, where do they find you? I mean, what are the venues that you're spending your time with these days? <laughs> well, the best place to do it is probably my, my website. I also write a blog pretty much on a daily basis, and that's stevedale.tv. And if you happen to be on TikTok, you can follow for years. I wasn't on TikTok. I said, really? I'm not going to do that. But I did when we got a kitten. So not me. It's our kitten that has the TikTok page, Groucho underscore the funny cat. And again, my website is stevedale.tv. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Steve, we want to thank you very much for uh, coming on the show and joining us. We look forward to uh, speaking with you again in the future. Anytime. Any friend of David Fry. Is not really a friend of mine, but in your case, I'll make an exception. <laughs> well, we appreciate that, and I hope David... No, Dave, Dave, Dave's a great guy. He's a good <laughs> friend of mine, and I know he's been on your show many times. Yes, he has. Well, we appreciate the time, and we look forward to speaking with you again. Uh, we've been speaking with Steve Dale, who is a uh, media personality. Uh, he is an author and in a lot of places. And, Rick, I hate to say it, but, you know, the clock rules, and we are out of time for this week's show. Uh, but we want to thank you, and we want to thank Bruce Warner, our producer. This is Lee Cohen wishing all of you a great weekend and a great week ahead. We'll talk again next weekend on the mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. In the meantime, will you all please, please take good care of your pets. Have a great week, everybody.